Welcome to a podcast on fire on Banana Cop and a bite of love. So this is the welcome back to the George Lamb defaming sessions. Whatever we're going to say, it won't affect George as a person, but we are still determined to determine in this uh, series, and this is episode two, whether George Lamb is lamb or lame. And we've done uh, one episode on that, and it's one all so far. Uh, We did uh, all the wrong clues for the right solution. That was a lame one. And we did both people, and that was a lamb one. So, uh, uh, but movies chosen for chosen for judgment today are Banana Cop, which sees George play a British-born Chinese cop, and he has adventures with a criminal in London played by Teddy Robin Kwan. So they reunite while they search for another criminal. Uh, also, George Lamb is a stupid vampire having stupid romance with not so stupid Rosamund Kwan in the stupid A Bite of Love. Have I given away my opinion yet? <laughs> But the, the the reason why that's uh, stupid, we'll let you know. But uh, there there is a theme here to these movies. Both of them are partly and mostly uh, set in and shot in and around London. So they're, they're Hong Kong movies uh, going on the road, which is uh, quite compelling in itself. But uh, we we thought we'd pair these particular George Lamb movies up for that reason as well. At any rate, my name is Kenny B, and with me is the happiest podcaster in the podcasting world, and that is Phil G. <laughs> Hello, yeah, thank you very much. The happiest podcaster. I, I suppose I am quite quite uh, jovial. You know, you've got to have an optimistic uh, view on things, even when you're reviewing George Lamb films. It gets difficult, Ken. It gets mm, difficult. Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't like him as a vampire. I don't like him as a vampire. <laughs> but I'm I'm committed to the work. Let me hide those frustrations. Banana cough. It's all about the banana. Exactly. We're we doing the uh, oldest movie first, and uh, we'll uh, let you in on our opinions of it shortly, if it's the better movie first or not. Uh, the, that one was directed by... It one of those directors that, uh, you know, he got exposure on the UK market, funnily enough. Uh, Hong Kong Legends in one of their more odd releases, because because it was a drama. But it starred Giant Fat. They released the movie Hong Kong 1941, and therefore the UK market... On the DVD side of things, got a little bit of exposure to director Lung Po Chi back in the day. Um, it, it was cool that they did that because Hong Kong 1941 doesn't have traditional action scenes really at all. And Hong Kong Legends didn't bother to try and promote it as something it wasn't. Uh, you know, it was uh, promoted as it should. And no- normally companies sometimes are so sly in order to get you in. They promote it in a different way. And then when you're in... The, the the money is in their po- pocket, so to say. But uh, Lung Po Chi, um, it was uh, cool to uh, uh, see that. He, he He's actually quite an international director. He's worked abroad for many years and gone back and forth. He, he's done, you know, he's, he's worked with both Jude Law and Steven Seagal. <laughs> How about that? Cool. <laughs> one of the Steven Seagal movies of the new millennium. Who knows which one it was uh, 10 years ago or so. But he did a vampire movie uh, with uh, Jude Law that I'm blanking on the title on now. Uh, the Wisdom of Crocodiles, I believe, is one of the titles. There you are. Our director has been around the block. So he was probably very comfortable being in London uh, directing in English and so forth. But uh, we'll we'll get to Banana Cop. Uh, we'll do the contact information first of all, and this is podcast on fire and our little sub series, the George Lamb defaming sessions, Lamalame or what have you. You can pick whatever name 
you choose. Uh, the Lama Lame is uh, the genius uh, idea of our listener Jay, and I took my less genius idea of dubbing it the George Lamb defaming sessions and sorted it under that category on the website, right? So uh, we'll, 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 do, we'll do two ideas in one, in a way. But you can find all our back uh, episodes uh, within Podcast on Fire on podcastonfire.com. We also do shows on Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, Slazy cinema. We do audio commentaries and bonus episodes and a plethora of other things. So make your pick over there hope you find something that appeals to you whether it's george lamb or not and let us know what do you think of uh, george lamb and uh, his uh, eternal mustache right it's uh, it's per- permanently glued to that <laughs> to that face <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is you know who carries a fantastic mustache i, I bet you do you do <laughs> mine's it mine's all right I, I you know i have a kind of go for this doublish look rather than the full-on hairy caterpillar look right where his mustache is going and you don't need to comb yours in the morning yeah into a stylish kind of beard kind of thing going on but um nothing nothing of uh george lamb quality Indeed. Uh, let us know at any rate uh, what you think of George and his moustache podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Join us over on Facebook for that important discussion of George Lamb's moustache. We'll, we'll do bonus episodes on the moustache aspects of the movies alone, right? So, Banana Cop, moustache, Lamelay. <laughs> the acting capability of the moustache. Exactly. I like when he combed it in the, yeah. other, in the other movie. But uh, we're available on Facebook. We, we have a page, and if you click the Facebook logo on our website, at the top of it, uh, you'll reach our Facebook page. We also have a discussion group called Podcast on Fire Network, so join the discussion, show updates, and what have you over there, as well as uh, Twitter your option option if you want to follow us that way subscribe to us on itunes and stream us on stitcher radio if you fancy doing so because uh, your phone is probably filled to the brim with george lamb stash pictures not pictures of him just zoomed in pictures of the facial hair right is that what kids do nowadays i don't know about these things you have kids you know these things <laughs> yeah they all go around mustaches on their face pretend to be george <laughs> lamb to be honest that's that's what they do on Instagram. Are you mocking me? <laughs> like kids, you know, my no kids father. There. Yeah, <laughs> having a lamb old time. <laughs> that would be wonderful if they just turned up We're on a Sunday like, hi, hi dad. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's what kids do today. They, they, they'll stand at the end of the hall all creepy like in The Shining, but with George Lamb moustaches on, right? You come around the corner like in The Shining. <laughs> hi dad. <laughs> Why don't you like George Lamb? <laughs> Uh, in my imagination, those things happen over in Phil, at Phil G's. At any rate, uh, I write about a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over at SoGoodReviews.com. My video review at SleazyKVideo.com and my tweets are available at SoGoodReviews. And Phil G has a website called Eastern Film Fans, EasternFilmFans.co.uk. What's going on? 2018, what's happening? 2018, God, it's, it's, it's busy already. Where has where has the months just flown by? It's going good, actually. This year I've got some... I've tasked myself with um, just getting some more information out there and more for the fans, so there'll be more competitions out there. Check the website, check Twitter, and check my Facebook uh, for news on those. But also, interviews um, are coming soon, so look out for those. And um, the the big project is the 100 Greatest Eastern Films, as voted for by you, the public, um, which is going on until um, the end of March. Depending on where we are now, you probably have time. It may well be extended. We'll see how we go. I need you, the public, to vote, vote, vote. And here's the thing. You can vote for one film, 
or you can vote for a hundred films and send them to me. Are these uh, predetermined movies, or are these are uh, it's an open uh, choice? Campaign? It's an open. Whatever you think an Eastern film is to you, you're welcome to throw it at me. Eastern thing, Eastern film, the greatest Eastern film. I know what mine are, and a lot of people are are really struggling to come up with their favourites out of the entire spectrum of Eastern films. And I can take it. I have taken someone. Someone has given me a hundred films and gone, there you go, Phil. A hundred films for your poll. And I've taken those hundred films and I've put them into the calculator. Into the calculator? You're so old. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, proper. Proper. And cranked and cranked and uh, hit the hamster and the hamster's going around that wheel. So no, just, just vote. Hundred greatest films. We want to know what your hundred greatest films are. Not me. Not me, you, the public, you, the fans, Eastern film fans, tell us your 100 greatest film. Tell us your favorite film. Just tell us your films. We'll log the votes and we'll let you know in the future. So that's my big project this year. Very cool. And that's been, that's been proactive on so many fronts. And uh, that's a good time to um, not hound, but certainly check the various um facebook groups that deal with hong kong cinema because what i the the, the ones i'm in uh, you know hong kong cinema yeah. lovers the comfort fandom blah blah blah. The, there's a good sense now that it's run with passion rather than um you know the, there's no trolling there's no flame wars and stuff like yeah. that I, I really so so if you have a check that out which i'm which i'm sure you have those are good places in the various groups on facebook you and i frequent to to place a thing like this because yeah the the passion for Hong Kong movies of a, of a variety of genres. I mean, uh, you, you 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 see posts on obviously Giant Fat Steven Chow, Wong Kar Wai, Joey Wong. Uh, not so much George Lam, but there's an explanation for that. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you until... never know, Jay. Get your George Lam vote in there, son. Exactly. I, you know you want to. One hundred, all the wrong clues, and then start. Yeah, I'll be plastering all over the boards. So I'll put that out there at the start of the year, just as uh, and I've got some you know drip feed of that. But I'll be really applying the pressure in the coming uh, months just to you know get um people thinking about that and um yeah i've had i've had ones you know weeks later come back and it's took me this long to think of the film and it does sometimes you need to go away and think about it because mm-hmm. this is this, these lists go out and <clears throat> okay it's just a yardstick to go by but if you don't vote you don't get your favorite film in there and that's what it's all about would you um uh... If you did your own list, would it be a no contest kind of thing that the number one spot would be Eastern Condor? So are you conflicted? <laughs> are you conflicted? And and I and, and I'm not being cheeky. I'm, I'm because I because I know you love the film. And, and actually, I haven't done my list as yet, uh, but I think Eastern Condors has a fair chance that it would be top of the pops. I can't think of anything else, so I think that's probably guaranteed my number one. After that, if I was to do a top ten, it's difficult. Um, I've got several in mind, but uh, even I'm, you know, going to throw. But you know, probably on the run with the imbues in there. Pedicab driver, obviously, off the top of my head. They'll probably be uh, action themed, but um, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it. I might give a, a few hints out on what I'm thinking about out there as well, and uh, and have a good and have a good think. But um, very cool. Easternfilmfans.co.uk, and I guess this will be plastered in the new section on the front page. Uh, this uh, particular uh, polling uh, project, if you will, so uh, people will notice. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll taking we'll be taking a musical break, and after that, we'll be back to review Banana Cop from 1984, starring George Lamb and Teddy Robin. Uh, back again together. 
the dumb free movies at the very least, All the Wrong Clues, uh, the sequel, All the Wrong Spies, which we opted not to talk of, and uh, then uh, this at the very least. So um, Comfortable Together, uh, does it show up on screen? Well, we'll tell you all about that after the musical break, so sit tight and we'll be back. And welcome back in the first review of this session of George Lamb defaming, where we determine if he's Lamb or Lame, and then in a fun, informal way, tally it up at the end and see if he is uh, Lamb or Lame, if he, we're um, gonna like him statistically or not, right? It's that, uh, it's that, it's technical and very uh, inhuman that way we like him statistically <laughs> or not. <laughs> uh, but that's what we're doing, and we're having fun doing so. And plot from the Far East film review of the film Banana Cop is about the following. When two men are killed in London's Chinatown, the local police are faced with a host of witnesses who refuse to talk. Anglo-Chinese Inspector Yao, played by George Lamb, manages to coax some information out of the community about the crime and discovers that Hong Kong criminal Ping Pong Ball, played by Teddy Robin, may have been inadvertently involved. Yao travels to Hong Kong to organize the release of the convict, though he eventually has to trick Ping Pong Ball into helping out Scotland Yard with the case. With the prospect of facing a severe beating from his rivals in a Hong Kong prison, Ping Pong Ball risks his life by returning to London to help with the case, even though his previous visit had helped him acquire a number of enemies. Yao and Ping Pong Ball begin their investigations by looking into the dealings of a shady Chinatown businessman, but the shifty informer decides to escape from Yao and manages to find shelter with a blind teacher, played by Sherry Chung. As Ping Pong Ball plans his next, uh, plans his next uh, move and Yao searches London for him, the killer begins to target the both of them. Uh, so let me take the reins uh, first here, my short opinion. Uh, he, here's kind of a key point. Uh, the director we mentioned, uh, Lung Po Chi, he, he is in control of just how far to take his moods and how loud the movie should be. And yes, he slingshots us between light and dark, yeah, but the, to me there's more thought here. Is it true intelligence and a game changer? Not really, but uh, it has stylish visuals at points, solid chemistry between George and Teddy, and uh, again, it's also a director who knows where kind of George's range lies and what the strange, uh, strengths are, where you should go, where you shouldn't go. So it's a fairly little amusing and solid little thriller comedy that also entertains to me because it's most, shot mostly abroad. I, I was uh, perk up a little bit when Hong Kong movies take their show on the road. In this case, to London mostly. Maybe some interiors in Hong Kong, but it seemed to be mostly shot in London. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's the short opinion for now. What did you think of Banana Cop? Banana Cop. Banana Cop. Do, 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 do. Banana yeah. Cop. Do, 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 do. There's a song there somewhere. Banana Cop. Banana Cop. He's not a banana, but he's a cop. We, we, which is probably the slang for him being an Anglo-Chinese um, yeah. inspector. So Yeah, exactly. Is it? Uh, as you say, I think um, absolutely it's 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 okay. It's not. It's just okay. The the chemistry's there. You know, it kind of works. George Lamb's moustache is there. That that works really well. Um, and you're right. The director just it plays to his strengths in, in this movie. And uh, Teddy Robbins always a pleasure 
um, to watch anyway. So it's always good to see a, see a film. There, there are peaks and troughs, I think, with the movie as well, which we'll get into. Maybe we, we can address something that's right off the bat that's also apparent very early, is that uh, Lung Po Chi is... Uh, He's pulling us in different directions in mm. terms of the visual style, yeah. right? Uh, because yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts really. This is no news for for that a Hong Kong movie does this, but uh, it's very apparent that it's going to start in sort of a gloomy, stylish opening way, where you know we obviously have murders in the beginning of the movie. It isn't necessarily totally depressing and gloomy, but the contrasts are there. So. Was that compelling at all, or a problem that the movie was so different in sections? No, I, I, I think, I think, and when you watch, as you say, movies, you're kind of used to that. You can start off on this certain arc that it's kind of dark and and start out on there, and then completely shift into you know a, a comedy or a, you know something else, a different genre as such. So I'm quite used to that, and I don't. I don't feel that leads me down the garden path, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm watching a Hong Kong movie, I just, um, I just kind of go with the flow, it ebbs and flows and stuff. And like I say, there's some, there's some really good kind of intelligent filmmaking within there. But it, it kind of throws you from the whole um, genre. You kind of put that in a movie. It's a buddy cop movie, isn't it? At the of end course. of the day and stuff. And 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 also, it's th- th- this style, this visual style with the neon and the use of colors. Mm. You, you you're so used to that in a Hong Kong setting, but yeah. that he depicts uh, you know of course you can depict any city this way, but that that he does depict London in a Hong Kong way using these tools is kind of cool to me. Uh, he did a movie two years earlier, a little thriller comedy with uh, hints at the, uh, the you know the Jello genre that mm. Dario Argento and Mario Baba. Sort of developed. He he did a movie called He Lives by Night that that has some uh, sequences that are really evocative, and uh, they're of that genre. But it also is a comedy, right? So yeah. I, I'm thinking Long Po Chi still finds that style something to that he wants to play around with, and yeah. and obviously the murder here isn't brutal like that. It isn't a brutal Dario Argento type of murder and bloodshed. But uh, I did like that uh, we see. The, the murder and the killing take take place in the, the underground, of course, uh, not the uh, not the underground like at, at the end of the movie, but uh, you know the, the gangster underground, the gambling underground. And we 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 get into the layers of London with uh, all the play with smoke and all of that. So yes, the style is not completely new and a game changer, but um, it, it is uh, kind of neat. And uh, then again, you know. When the movie switches, and we we have multiple examples we're going to talk of, of course, but when the movie switches, it doesn't go. To me, feel it doesn't feel wild. This movie, like the, the, no. this, uh, like the, this wild movie that goes from banana peel jokes to these murder sequences. For some reason, Lung Po Chi, and I think this is him thinking, he doesn't want the movie to be super broad, meaning not super violent and not super comedic he wants the two things to meet in the middle and daddy does okay i think when all is said and done yeah no I mean, he does you know right. it is it's all about that that feeling of a hong kong movie set you know in london and having that style to it which gives it that you know it gives it that you want to watch it because it's just an interesting concept you don't see many of those films and stuff killers romance being another one i've seen way back in the day but you know it's nice to see that <clears throat> nice to see the contrast and that picture interest right from the start so yeah 
his uh, his entrance 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 George Lamb. I think he's rather cool. Uh, it amused me because he uh, he's got a trench coat on, he's got a hat hat on, and you almost expect the dragnet voiceover to come yeah. in. You know, this is my city. I carry a badge. I don't have a gun. I'm unfortunately George Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Ed Brown. Oh, no, it's George Lamb. No, no it, it, it actually is a rather cool uh, entrance. I, I think his image of that, um, you know, he's an inspector. He's not trying to be, um, as I hinted at earlier, because it was just based on my vague memory. He's not trying to be Sherlock Holmes or anything, but he's, uh, he's an inspector. He's, uh, he's part of that society. He speaks English. And that that brings up another point. Uh, it's an off the cuff question, but uh, we're going to bring context. Uh, what, in terms of language, uh, what does the movie do? Uh, does it do all Cantonese, or, or or is it more logical in terms of language film? Yeah, I think language. You know, they shift between the two. George Lamb, you know, there's the, the English thrown in where it needs to be, and it just adds gravitas to the location of you know where you are. So you know, it works from a from a language standpoint. So you, you just roll with it, and it seems it seems to fit quite nicely. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't like stereotypical, uh, like uh, Cockney slang or slang in general. Uh, did it seem authentic enough without being over the top? Oh, he's got all the Amazon pairs, Amazon pairs. <clears throat> Sorry, I really forgive me for that. I shouldn't have done that at all. But yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he doesn't, you know, pick up a certain twang or try to do anything. You know, it just does what it should do, and you're comfortable with it, I guess. Yeah, it it seemed alright, like straightforward dialogue. The only thing it didn't match were uh, the subtitles didn't match what was spoken. But uh, you know, we 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 come to expect that. But when all is said and done, you see George navigate the environment. He uh, people think he doesn't speak Chinese, so he can sort of infiltrate the environment that way. He he's not broad. He's keeping his cool. You know, he's got control over the situation and can start to uh, get the case rolling. And in terms of what George does with that, does it feel like a natural image of him as an inspector, not abroad, but an English inspector, and uh, and the way he, um, you know, because he, he doesn't have these, uh, he, he's at a hard cop that like, where's the evidence, where's the evidence? But so, what what do you think of that sort of mild manner? You know, you yeah yeah, average um, Hong Kong British Chinese, the Chinese detective, nineteen eighties. Ah, that's why it reminds me of. It's just kicked in. Actually, yeah, it fits them all quite nicely. It didn't jump out and go, "Oh, that's all wrong. That just doesn't. That doesn't seem right or way off." It's actually in keeping with the theme and the time of the film, and you know, um, it would he would pass as a cop. So I think director wise, you know, didn't go for over the top or Sherlock Holmes or trying to overstate the obvious. It was uh, the long trench coats a nod, obviously, but you know, you you just see George Lamb in that role, and you know, suits him quite nicely. I agree, I agree. He carries himself and he's no pushover as a character either. Uh, uh, you know, even when he does go to Hong Kong and gets uh, Teddy Robin out of prison, he, he is this straight man who does, he, he yeah. doesn't take any crap, uh, but he's not a hard ass. And therefore, he's, he's, Lung Po Chi isn't uh, asking George to go out of his. What is a limited range? I, I'm, not, I'm not being funny about it. it is, he has a limited range, George. And I think Lung Po Chi realizes that, okay, I know, I think I know where I can slot him into. And this is it. Um, because we know how it didn't work in all the wrong clues, the, him being a broad comedic slapstick type of performer. But then again, if you, if you look at it, say, the, again, the boat people, there, there is a range there. There is something you can get out of him a bit more. But obviously, he's more comfortable just being George Lamb. 
with his mustache and and i think everybody loves him for that i think that's that's his thing and takes him outside of that makes him feel uncomfortable outside of that but if you do it right it just proves like i say about people that you know he can be stretched like any any actor can that you know needs to be with the right person at the helm but in this role it's like i say it suits him really well um he's not that hard ass as you say and from the buddy cop point of view um him going to see uh teddy robin in jail um and, and pick him up as a sidekick, it works works well. I, I, I do think they do work well. Uh, again, it, it is broader when Teddy is there, because Teddy mm. is by, by nature a character that is uh, louder, and he's um, you know, kneeling and wants to get uh, out of his... Out of his uh, uh, you know, he wants to escape and uh, he wants to do some stuff before leaving Hong Kong, which I thought was uh, funny when he goes to the hook- hooker. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're cuffed together at that point. So George is sitting outside a creaky bed where, where the things are going on, you know. And he, I, lo- I love that George is rolling a cigarette while being hooked to the uh, handcuffs. I think that, that that's a man that knows how to focus on shit. Like exactly. He, that's that's good. It's uh, yeah. Like I said, he's not even smoking. He's rolling yeah. his tobacco <laughs> with his other hand, exactly. and you just know he's he's gone. You just know it. Listen, he's like looks round. Yeah, you know he's he's fled. He's got away from him. But yeah, it's good. Good visual gag. And, uh, so that's an example of Long Po Chi keeping the gag sort of mm. tempered in a way. Yeah. Um, which is a cool little choice. Uh, show someone thinking uh, in terms of how do you craft a Hong Kong comedy. Joe, I, I, I like some some jokes in Hong Kong where George, having you know, who knows how many times he's been in Hong Kong, that character, so he, he obviously doesn't know some of the customs. So he goes up to the General Quan altar in the police station and he grabs an apple and those are obviously for the goddess of mercy or, or general guan himself so he starts eating an apple it's rotten he, but he doesn't know and and again that volume to those things that they're not gag type of uh, situation it's just he he doesn't know and that makes him sort of ignorant yes but he simply doesn't know so uh, and and then lung pochi has you know dusted off that joke and off and then off he goes and my my point is that not, I, I, I don't sense that the movie has a lot of filler akin to that stuff. It's pretty decently focused in terms of plot progression and not filling it with, you know, bantering gags to make sure he reaches 90 minutes uh, and all of that. And, and, and then again, also the, the dialogue between Teddy and George throughout the movie when they get to London again, it seems zany. It seems broad, but I, I I don't know what it is. He manages to keep all of the temper because he has zany things, a uh, uh, type of dialogue. Teddy at one point he says, uh, "You know, all the gangs are after me: Adidas, SOS, the KKK." Yeah, <laughs> and for 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 some reason, Teddy's performing style has never annoyed me. Uh, mm. George is tempered, as we said, and Lung Po Chi keeps it all tempered. So those contrasts in performance style. I, I, I think it's quite okay. They're enjoy, they're enjoyable to watch together. The contrast in length and appearance and all of that. So, <laughs> yeah. but 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 is it ever you know love at loud funny what they do here, or is, or is it a double act that's you know okay and amusing and stuff? Yeah, for me it was okay and amusing. There's no kind of laugh out loud. I mean, it's clever like say when he's uh, handcuffed to him in the bed, the visual gag and stuff, but nothing laugh out loud. But they just work well together. So. It, you want to see them progress and they go back to London. There's a, there's a bit of a, um, and I said peaks and troughs with this. So there's a peak in the movie when they get back to London from, 
from going to Hong Kong and he brings him back and they send obviously an assassin out to kill uh, Ping Pong. And um, there's an actual, there's a, there's a great scene where the assassin kills a cop, but there's no music at all. It's quite dramatic. Yeah. Kind of, kind of dead silence and he kills his cop. It's a, it's a brilliant scene. It's absolutely great scene. And it's quite, it's kind of brutal as well. It, it is because yeah. it's a flat out assassination and a headshot. Yeah. And for, yeah. for some reason, I, you know, you notice that, that that mm-hmm. surely that's gonna be too much for this movie. And for some reason, Lung Po Chi argues that I, I I've got a tone here that I believe in, so I'm gonna do that, and I'm kind of gonna overstate things visually. But I I I want to have a visual like, exercise here, and if I believe in that, then it's my God given right to exercise yeah, my absolutely. creativity. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's very much acceptable. But uh, and in, in sp- speaking of that uh, visual style that I've been harping on about, the scene you're describing doesn't take place in smoke, doesn't take place nope. in neon. No. Nope. Daytime. Yeah, daytime, middle of the day. So so he's um, he's not tied to, um, you know, the greens and the blues. No, nah, exactly. So. Just to show off that you know a different a different visual style that has an impact exactly and that's and that and that point there was the absolute peak of the movie for me just because of that visual wow that that smacking stuff I don't think I reached another high in the movie after that mm-hmm. as I said it's enjoyable but that 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 scene there when we get to that point absolutely was a was a standout moment for me. Uh, how about uh, the inclusion of uh, Sherry Chung in a not so meaty role, but certainly a cute and adorable role uh, as the blind teacher uh, with a good heart? So yeah, I mean, I like Sherry Chung. I mean, Winners and Sinners was the first time I saw her, so you know, there's a soft spot there for her. So you know, she plays it well, and and adds another adds another kind of partnership to the the dynamic duo that just you know they get the rift between the. Uh, the three of them going on, which uh, makes uh, makes for more entertainment on kind of the uh, second half of the movie. So yeah, it, it's it's enjoyable. She doesn't have to do much. Bless her, she can just you know stand there and look good. Fine, you know, <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> you know, you know, it's sort of like yes, he, she doesn't give him much, but she's adorable and cute, and she's blind and she's kind. Fine, I'll go with it then. <laughs> The, the point there is also, without spoiling too much, is that Teddy is uh, not forthcoming in terms of that he's a criminal. So he's trying to uh, he's trying to sort of uh, deceive her a little bit. Uh, he uh, he says that uh, he's a policeman, and uh, you know, in a way, he tries to also uh, hide the fact that he's short and stuff. And um, you know, so um, it's it, it it's cute. Uh, they don't go down any uh, sort of dodgy, deceptive roads or anything. Uh, I don't know what it's like to obviously be blind or play blind uh, she is asked to sort of overplay being blind but she is generally lovely anyway uh, she's she seems comfortable on screen so yeah absolutely it's not really there's no complaints in terms of the little date vibe that they have going on a weird date vibe because when george lamb is uh Asked uh, by the uh, lady that gives him a parking ticket uh, back to her, her place for some oh, some pasta, and uh, it's not really bizarre sexually, but I think in a way it also is. Uh, 
because I don't know what this is about. Why are they piggyback riding after eating the too too spicy pasta and stuff? This is where we're going to when I said we hit that peak beforehand. Yep. Here's the trough, right? What the <laughs> hell is going on there? Lamb the I mean, romantic. Rides, I don't is uh, what I I don't know what that's supposed to be. I, I can tell you now, this is not the normal in London, England, that we do. In 1984, this is how you date. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's a new poll that I need to do to find out what people do. But I don't think it is. And, and we don't know why they do that either. So all all answers on a postcard, please. Um, but it's just bizarre. Just bizarre. And it's a character that's gone as well after that. We don't see her come back in a distinctive manner. No. No. It's really a trio uh, after that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, George, Teddy, and uh, Jerry. You know, uh, going towards the end, obviously the setting and the time allows for some more creative scenarios that Hong Kong can't offer. And and a kind of, I mean, it's not a superb sequence, but b- because they are in London, they looked for clubs and music acts, and they got this uh, disco, this club. <laughs> and a fight scene at it and George uh, fighting off uh, various people while this new wave punk rock band is playing. <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't get that in a Hong Kong movie. And I know that sounds like, let's shoot some novel stuff. Uh, look at that. Look at them like, like uh, animals <laughs> in a zoo. But I, I, you know, I kind of like that because the band keeps yeah. playing and uh, the, the audience are into the violence of it all. <laughs> they're turning towards him and they're cheering on kind of him on in the end and stuff. It's just... It's it's a weird concept, but it works really well. I quite I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that quirkiness, and it was great. It was another visual style thrown in there, and, and we've talked about the um, the peaks and troughs with the movie, and just the different things. But it, it worked. It works quite well in this punk club, um, having this uh, fight and stuff, and uh, the setting. You know, it all it all seems seems believable as well for some reason. Yeah, yeah. and he manages to sort of coax the you know the band and the audience uh, perform the, the type of performance he wants out of them again Lung Po Chi it worked uh, uh, you know internationally back then as well he, his background is um, you know uh, is abroad uh, literally so, so, so I think he was comfortable stepping in there when it comes towards the end there's a big sequence we won't spoil the whole thing but there's a big sequence uh, with now the killers off the off the 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 gang and there, there's a big sequence that's mostly set in dark but Lung Po Chi opts to use uh, strong colors like green and blue and without the movie I'm coming back to the thing that there are tone shifts here but they don't seem as intense as other movies that uh, you know it's not a on the run type of uh, no, no. vibe but the literal sequence is supposed to be this genuinely tense you know they're trying to avoid being <laughs> killed and they're trying to take down a killer so i think Lone po Chi just saw this as I'm, I'm gonna make it visually intense but i'm not gonna go incredibly violent or incredibly uh, gloomy or anything but i kind of still dig dig the very long finale that goes from both the apartment and then into the london underground literally with the trains and all of that and it's odd that it's a slightly quiet finale because it doesn't it doesn't feel violent, violently intense. But mm. I I still appreciated the professionalism of it all and this in this insistence on indulgence in a way because it is indulgent and it doesn't seem like it fits the body cop formula. But he's a believer in his style and obviously working with his tech crew and it, it it's an okay 
sort of an argument to have a stylish exercise like this but and, and, the, and, and the plot certainly warns that this is going to happen at one point obviously but who knew that it would take place in such uh sort of intense almost argento style uh, colors and i didn't mind it feel i don't think it's exceptional but i think it's it's rather okay even even you know the conclusion of it all yeah, absolutely. I think you know, hitting the nail on there. Sometimes you think style over substance, but the substance actually is within this style this time, and it doesn't like say those those beats within the film that you know are quite dramatic to you know um, just ridiculous. Um, the ending fits quite well with everything else, and there is a stylish quality to it, like you say, when they're they're crawling around in the dark and stuff, and it just it just feels right, and it feels right for the for the film that. Um, he's made and the characterization and the, you know, getting to the, to the end point and you wanting to know what happens between the characters and it, yeah, it, it works well, you know, it, it works well as a, as a film and the, and the style. And like I say, it's not over dramatic, not overly violent. It's a nice ending. It works quite well. And there's, there's style to that and the setting again and location of that and, and the underground again, the, he puts that to good use. And uh, at one point, uh, Teddy and George have a little race across, uh, what is it, West, <laughs> Westminster Bridge? Right? Yeah, running over London we, 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 Which has no place in the movie, but it's one of those cases, we've got to use the bridge, man. Yeah, we got to use the bridge, put the bridge, put the bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ha- have <laughs> these Chinese actors run across it and the extras uh, <laughs> applauding afterwards. So, okay, fine, fine silliness for a minute or I two. put that in, yeah. I think because of what I stated in terms of how Lung Po Chi opts to use George, he sees his strengths and where you can take him, where you should not take him. It's not a difficult choice to say this is def- definitely a lamb for me. It doesn't need to be a slam dunk to be a lamb. It needs to be okay. If it's okay, then it's definitely a lamb. So. <laughs> it'll, it'll take- it's a major win if it's okay, for heaven's sake. George and his mustache will take okay. Yeah, and it is okay for me as well. It, it, it's, it's a lamb. There are some... Um, some nice bits of film in this to watch and uh, it gels all together there are some some low just that piggyback word god I need to get that out of my head <laughs> the, um, we don't do that over here ladies and gentlemen we're more refined than that I tell you but um, yeah Lam, he was okay he was he was okay I, I, yeah. he, he's had uh, a couple of strange movies on his uh, well s- strange movies in terms of how did this collaboration happen? Um, uh, Long Po Chi. He did a movie in 1977 called Fox Bat that starred uh, not only you know uh, Roy Chow and what have you, but that also actually starred Henry Silva, right? And it was co-directed by Terence Young, the director of some of the first James Bond movies. Right? Oh. And and Fox Bat by now it uh, had a DVD release, even a blue I think for a couple of years where they finally you know brought it up in. Uh, out in widescreen and things like that. So and and Philip Chan, uh, you know, uh, the 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 uh, senior inspector in Hallboy wrote the script together with Long Po Chi. So he he's uh, he's gone in various uh, directions that uh, makes him very unpredictable, right? Yeah. And including uh, you know the vampire movie and all of that. So um, yeah. So there you are. He's worth checking into. He's actually in Hong Kong, 1941. He plays this uh, local madman that uh, goes around with a sort runs around with a cloth uh, and uh, you know just spews uh, you know nonsense and things like that. And that's um, uh, he appears in a couple of scenes in Hong Kong, 1941, including a a, a, a vital scene um, uh, in that movie. But uh, I won't spoil it. 
as for the availability of uh, Banana Cop. Uh, we did watch the older Delta Mac version because that's the only one I have. But Fortune Star actually issued a remastered DVD in association with Joy Sales. And that was still listed in stock when I checked for this episode. So you can get Banana Cop for, for a reasonable price and uh, and decently looking and all of that. So, so Fortune Star realized that George Lamb at the start needs to look as good as possible, you know, for standard definition, you know. <laughs> So that's Banana Cop done and Dustin after the break we are gonna head back to London for half a movie anyway and uh, check out what uh, George Lamb and crew uh, were up to in 1990 when they made A Bite of Love. George Lamb as a vampire still with his stash. I have a problem already. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Do some character acting and shake, <laughs> shave that shit off but apparently not. Like the stash stays, and the stash even goes into the Chinese, uh, uh, into the Chinese title of the movie. There's an illustration of George and his stash in the Chinese title of the movie. Like, he, maybe he has that clout. I need to be in the title, you know, with my face as well. That's it. His Tash is more famous than George Lamb. Because uh, who are we to question his uh, staying power in the industry? You know. So there is, but we, we'll chat about the bite of lava after the break. Available now on KungFuMovieGuide.com, it's the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. (laughs) That's right, be sure to check out the Kung Fu Movie Guide for our first season of podcasts. Available from (laughs) KungFuMovieGuide.com. My name is Ben Johnson and you can join me as I have some serious in-depth conversations with some of the leading lights in the world of martial arts movie making. From directors to stuntmen to actors to choreographers to fellow writers and bloggers, be sure to tune in over the next few months to get your fortnightly fix of all things Chopsocky. Visit KungFuMovieGuide.com to check out the podcast and keep up to date with the site by following us on Twitter at KFMovieGuide. And may Buddha bless you. So welcome back in the second review of this, George Lamb, Defaming Zion. Lamb or Lame, that's the question on the table. And uh, we're going to determine that via our review and discussion of A Bite of Love from 1990. And this is also set in London, so that's why I paired these two up for sort of that reason, uh, actually. So uh, you don't uh, always get a chance to do a themed sort of a dual session, but um, we got an op here to do so. So even if it is, it's not the most well-known movie. But uh, at any rate, a uh, plot from my review of the film. George Lamb plays Duke Lee, a rather kind-hearted vampire that lives his life at night, with certain folks thinking he's a mu- magician, including Anna, played by Rosamund Kwan. And uh, they fall in love eventually, but on uh, there's trouble on the horizon because our brother, played by Norman Choi, is a heroin dealer heroin dealer sick to the degree that he needs constant blood transfusions and you know that's gonna go down eventually uh or not but or 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 why should you care <laughs> how it goes down at any rate let me hear a short opinion from you uh, this time around i'll do my short opinion after that what did you think of a bite of love oh god oh god it was so lovely <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. I was so infused with love after the bite. Yeah, of it. I was so infused by it. Was it? It was a struggle. 
it's a struggle of a movie to get through. It, it, it is a struggle for, for so many reasons um, that we shall delve into. Beautiful George, beautiful hairstyles, beautiful wigs, beautiful mustache. His mustache does do the talking in this movie, though. Absolutely, 100%. Godman, just shave it off for a roll. <laughs> well, uh, that, that that sort of gives the game away that uh, this is la- this is lame all the way through. Or, or, or. <laughs> yeah, we could cut straight to the chase. Yeah, it was lame. The thing is, I appreciate its its professionalism because it's shot abroad for half a movie. It's shot in sync sound, and it's shot in Dol- they they mixed it in Dolby surround even, which was rare for a Hong Kong movie. But the George Lamb vampire movie doesn't have any. You you, you fill in the pun yourself yeah it sucks he doesn't have any bite and it should it should it's, it's quirky it's you know again you know a foreign setting for a hong kong movie you know you got the setting right you know you want that kind of uh romance within it and you know it's quite stylish i think the uh the hong kong dvd or certainly the poster i've seen it looks quite good it's visually quite you know it would entice you in to watch this film but you know please don't uh, yeah, there's there's very little here. I mean, there's minor. I mean, the pr- problems are lack of presence, lack of cool, lack of chemistry, lack of fun. Yeah, there's only minor special effects and performer highlights towards the latter half, but that's sort of mm. courtesy of Norman Choi, and that's it. Yeah, Norman Norman throws in the best he can into the mix, and um, it's no Mister Vampire um, by, by a long, 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 long way. And it and it tries. It just um, it's just very trying. It, it sort of confuses initially. I um, even this viewing, even though I know the movie, sort of. Uh, Stephen Chin, the director, he starts in a very fragmented way. You know, you see Hoi Su Hung talking to someone about uh, paying rent. You see Norman Choi getting wheeled out of the hospital. You see Rosamund Kwan at her workplace. You see the little kid Cheng Pak Lam on the street crying and then getting robbed by uh, Gregory Charles River which is a, a, a Westerner that's been seen in Hong Kong movies. He speaks Cantonese as well. So uh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in Her Fatal Ways 4 with uh, Dodo Cheng. So he's the uh, romantic interest there. And and then Hoi Su Hung beats up this lady uh, as well, uh, whacks her in the back of the head, whatever. Okay, if a movie knows it's a movie, it's going to provide context. But I understood some, but I never really understood, for instance, the role of the kid, Cheng Pak Lam, who he was, where he came from, why he was gathering flowers and crap, even though nothing hinged on the kid because he isn't the lead. It's one of those things that I'm not sure this is working, but the focus should be on George, obviously. He's the lead here. Do you think that the the whole vampire act, the way he looks, uh, you know, he has a wig initially, so he has different hair for once. Do you think it's the movie being self-aware and tongue-in-cheek or are they trying to depict George as he's the man and he's cool? I think they're going for cool. I think they've gone, they've taken the vampire genre, you know, that big estate kind of thing and he, you know, rolls around in a horse and carriage. Yes, even on the Subtle. street. Subtle. So, you know, they've taken it literally and then plunked it, you know, in London and, you know, this big mansion and, 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 and taken that in the genre literally and then given, yeah, George, okay, a fair makeover and something different than he, he usually looks to start with. So you're you're intrigued by that absolutely at the start of the movie and this long grey hair kind of, you know, and that vampire look. So it's got the cosmetically, it looks like it. But like you say, there's so many different kind of story kind of threads to it that it doesn't really tie up at the start of the movie. So you don't know where you're going right at the beginning. I mean, like I say, the, the, the little kid, the 
Jim Pack Lamb, I think it is. He just if Norman Chu had thrown the knife and killed him in that scene and stuff, we would have had a whole different movie. It could have been. We would have had a Hong Kong movie on our hands because that yeah. wouldn't be out of line. Kill the kids. We could have had a Hong Kong movie. We really could. You know, it's just those different, you know, that subtle script change there. It just went in a completely different direction. And and I kind of agree. They are they're not being they're not sending up his image i i think they are yes they're trying to play it a little bit for loves the way duke lee is vain right because he has his mustache coned by hoi su hong uh, who you've seen in uh, a plethora of uh, johnny toe movies as a as a, as a sidekick and all of that but i i don't think stephen chin has a very well thought out mission statement so it all comes off as george being so awesome that he needs his stash combed by someone else, and I kind of found that annoying because it is number one, it isn't funny, it, yeah, it is not no. funny, and it's not tongue in cheek enough if they were going for tongue in cheek, yeah, exactly. And look, look, we were bound to watch a movie where he's going to get his uh, mustache combed, and, and I said, This movie is all about George Lamb's mustache, it was going to happen. Here it is. I kind of wish they had the gray wig all throughout because that kind of yeah, looked good, mm, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, like I say, it would start visually, cosmetically, I thought, yeah, it, it worked from him looking like a vampire and being a vampire. It just, uh, it didn't it didn't hold together throughout the movie. I mean, there's minor little peaks, there's a minor visual, like, oh, that that's kind of a neat concept. Uh, the lady that Hoi Su Hong beats up, uh, he serves her before George uh, amidst uh, greens and all of that, right? So he's he's um, he's made a spread. Of her, not literally, but uh, no. <laughs> uh, so. But but I I don't think Stephen Sheen is he's not talented enough to sort of make that work and make that take off comedically, mm-hmm. whether it's darkly yeah. comedic or quirky or flat out roll in the aisles type of funny in concept. Uh, I guess you sum it up as uh, this doesn't land. Uh, there's a lot of things that he throws there, but they they don't land uh, very well at all. Actually, uh, no, that's it. You know, as a visual guy, you can see it, but it doesn't raise a smile. You know, and the, you know the uh, he can only he only drink blood, and he and the thing is that he can't he can't kill anybody. He can't bite them. It's a bite of love, but he can't bite them. This is the string that goes throughout the movie, and, the, and he just has like a thimble of thimble of blood. And obviously, some, it's, oh, no, you'll have to save a little bit for tomorrow because they're running out kind of thing. You know, it's uh, it's like, yeah, OK. And it doesn't it doesn't impact. There's no impact. No, exactly. Well, there, just, you don't connect. You don't connect with it is the, is the issue. The thing is about DMB, too, who were behind this movie. It's they, they had hits in the 80s, obviously, the, uh, Yes, Madame in the Line of Duty movies and dramas like An Autumn's Tale. And just like Cinema City, they came out swinging hard with effort and new intentions for certain Hong Kong cinema. And yeah. like uh, think outside the box kind of thing. Uh, that was great. Uh, but around this time, late 90s, early 90s, both DMB and Cinema City, they they sort of gamble one time too many, and uh, certain movies sunk the companies. Uh, for DMB, it wasn't this movie, just because they spent money on it. But it was rather the Black Cat movies that uh, mm-hmm. they they were very ambitious. They're sort of okay. The second one, I think, is even better. Uh, once you see it in its natural English sync sound, they actually shot it in English. But um, they, they they were flops, and even Cinema City had a couple of flops around this time. Ringo Lamb's Undeclared War didn't do very well, and um, so you know after the eighties had proven to be um, fruitful, um, they they uh, took one gamble too many, and, and there's nothing bad about that. It just this is what happened uh, in in a marketplace that um, demands 
you know, obviously profit. Then this wasn't a case where they did score profit, but the the effort is hugely appreciated and. Uh, and, and even the professionalism in the original cinema subtitles for this, because I didn't have a DVD, I had the Laserdisc, and they even uh, try and uh, make clear for, to us, who do not speak Cantonese, that the name Duke Lee, when you say it sort of in Chinese, sounds like a rude term. Because <laughs> uh, at one point Norman Choi reacts to the fact that, what the fuck did you just say, Duke Lee? <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds like a rude term, and the subtitles even do their best to sort of say that he's reacting to that. And you don't find that many Hong Kong movies that take the time to add a little cliff note at the same time, right? So so, so they were thinking, technically they were thinking, but then it's the George Lamb vampire movie, and that's where you run, run into trouble, man. <laughs> Yeah, that is the trouble, isn't because it? Because he isn't really, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking for everybody, but he isn't really cool enough to sell the suave and sell the uh, sex appeal that sort of vampire some vampire roles emphasize yeah they set up a villain pretty well with norman Choi. you know what he's like they should have been able to come through a little bit better when not only selling george as a performer but also selling his powers technically i think mm. that was kind of I've, I've been hailing sort of dmb's production quality one thing that sort of flat out sucks is when he displays his powers when he shoves his hands and stuntmen fly about the place that stuff looks like it was shot in five minutes and it just looks like, like they don't give the stuntmen any anything to do any good falls to do any good reactions to do it just looks so flat and quickly conceived and it actually runs through Almost each and every time, Duke Lee uses his powers and uh, stuntmen fly on cue. Looks bad, Phil. Looks really bad. It does. There's there's, there's no enjoyment from the action. Um, and uh, I think it was was a Philip Quark action director, so you know should know better. It just looks uh, like they didn't have any plan and, and no time in that uh, exactly. place. And because... we'll just throw stuntmen and they'll just fling you know wires and just throw them this direction and the other and there's there's nothing to it there's no there's no enjoyment from from watching it which is um about what the uh you the the whole film is about there's just no enjoyment it's difficult to cherry pick anything that you know you enjoy because you're just focusing on god if i hear that yamaha keyboard music anymore <laughs> i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> Sponsored by Yamaha, maybe. Yeah, sponsored by <laughs> Yamaha. Music. Gotta play it on the keyboard, man. I'm, I'm a composer. I want a string orchestra. You're not getting any. I get my Casio down from the loft and start a little tune. Uh, no, please don't do any more. And and also, by the way, we, we, because we got to touch upon it, um, uh, we have a romantic core, obviously, here with uh, George and Rosamund Kwan. I know the answer is obvious, but uh, how does that work? Is there any chemistry, any sort of um, felt romantic connection going on here between Anna and Dukley? No, they're, 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 there's none. I mean, for God's sake, they're going to dance. They're going, oh my God, they're dancing. You, don't, you just don't get it right at the beginning, and that goes through the whole of the movie. It just doesn't It doesn't work. That's supposed to be a connection right there. You know, the dim the lights, the music comes on, he beckons her over. In George Lamb style, and you know you're in trouble when he, he starts with the finger and beckons are over. It's just nothing. Ew. Starts with the finger. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> starts with the finger. I'm trying to get some enjoyment out of this. Come on, give me something. Um, and Rose McCoy, I mean, but she's better than this. She She's a wonderful actress, and you can sort of yeah, see where... I think this is a good example of 
you you can sort of demonstrate I, I i don't i don't mean in film classes but you can sort of demonstrate that here's where performer chemistry resides and here's where it doesn't reside yeah you know yeah. what i mean because i i i'm sure performers when they feel it they sometimes might not need need huge direction either if if they get on with someone and maybe they did get on but it doesn't show up on screen in terms of she's not enchanted in this convincing manner because uh, you know when he dances with her which is sort of a, this otherworldly sequence time stops and all of that it's so meh you know you just shrug at it and uh and at best and uh and and obviously because he is in this movie such a plank, you know, he's no he, he, George George there is. I mean, he's a fucking plank. Let's, let's be real about it. That is epic. That is just you've just nailed epic. it. You've nailed that plank. He's <laughs> a plank. You really have. That's just epic. I mean, he can be good. We've already established yeah. that he can be good, but uh, when it's bad, it's sort of this bad. And that's it. And and that's what I mean. You you get frustrated because you know he can be better than better than that and that's the frustration when you see something like that and you know he's expected to carry that movie as this you know dashing kind of vampire and this romance a bite of love if that's what it's about but there's nothing there and and, and also sympathy because uh, because he isn't this uh, so he's trained himself i guess to not necessarily kill a bunch of people just to get his blood exactly thick so but that doesn't come through either because george is really uh, you know he's dull in the role and uh, he he doesn't fit that image to be honest i think, think him as a vampire is like the last thing i w- would like to see in this world because it just doesn't go together i guess i mean no. i mean he's I mean, better than me of course but even when they <laughs> do uh, even when we see him in a slightly monstrous fashion it's just george the plank with false teeth from the halloween store and it's just uh <laughs> So it doesn't it really... I was hoping that it would have been able to s- spike a little bit in terms of, oh my God, Hong Kong horror for a little mm. one. But when we see him and his teeth, it's just... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a Halloween gag, man. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, nah, it doesn't grab you. You know, it should be something. But um, sadly, you just can't convey uh, anything that, um, you know, I don't know if Stephen Chen was after, um, but certainly didn't capture anything like that on screen. He's got a canto pop montage of a decent enough George canto pop ballad, but when you put that stuff that we don't like into montage, we sort of just reminded of in in a tighter way of all mm. those things that didn't add up to a romance. <laughs> like no, no, no chemistry, no chemistry. Song is good. Song is okay. He sings. He, he sings decently enough. I'll, I'll give him that. De- then we're left with the only person that sort of seems to provide energy. The only one who provides any highlights is uh, Norman Choi, mm. because he he sort of he's good at going into bad guy mode, if you will. And um, he for, from the beginning it shows he's shown us you know he's pretty ruthless. It's his way or no way really, um, because uh, he is the heroin dealer. He doesn't certainly get a change of heart when he gets vampire blood into him. That only emphasizes that um, my god i can be bad now this is awesome it, it's not great but norman gets the job done you know yeah. um and uh he, you know he's evil even when he's sick he's evil when he's strong and he's dangerous now with new powers and even though technically it's only sort of okay what they depict with uh, him uh, with wires with special effects that stuff is uh, you know because a little bit okay maybe because of the uneven quality of the film Mm. But it sort of becomes okay. Um, 
And I, I, I guess the only highlight is when the movie becomes downright not creepy because of the horror element, but creepy because Norman Choi, when he's a vampire, fancies his sister. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it is the only highlight. He, he, you know, yeah. I mean, he even gets away with with the scene when he's having dinner with his sister and stuff, and she's trying to work out if he's a vampire or not, and there's a some quirkiness there to it but you know he gets away with it he can he can carry that he can he can do what's asked of him but um yeah, yeah he, he's sort of on board with that because yeah, at, exactly. at, at one point he has crawled under the table and start kissing yeah. her foot man <laughs> like, i mean if anything that's the intent and that's mm. the one of the few times Stephen Sheen, the director manages to convey the intent that uh, he's yeah. he's changed and he's uh, going after his own blood now because there is blood in there <laughs> Right, uh, and you you sort of wish that the movie had the ability to crank it a little bit more than mm. that. I mean, his turn is fairly energetic, and you know when we come to a special effects ending, uh, was there anything uh, you know? Because I'm I'm sure the special effects ending to a degree feels uh, familiar. You've seen special effects yeah. and these type of wire fights and uh, fights versus vampires set in blue and stuff. Uh, was that anything to sort of uh, that, that perked your interest uh, when uh, when it's Duke Lee versus uh, Norman Choi here? No. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> as brutal as that. No, I tell you what. You know, no, there wasn't, and it, it, it didn't grow me. You, you know what about this film? I actually loved, and something I really enjoyed and took out of it was. Uh, Roseman Kwan going into the laser disc store. He picks up uh, Fright Night, so understands vampires. It's uh, it was even uh, it was even Fright Night too, my friend. Yeah, and he was, you know, it's like look, laser disc store. Yeah, like cool. How cool is that? I quite enjoyed that bit for the fight scene. No, you know, once again there was that whole bit before Anna when obviously Anna says bite her. Um, he said, to, you know, she says bite me. Uh, she says bite me not disrobe her in soft lighting and that bloody Yamaha keyboard music again <laughs> I mean for god's sake that just put me off right from the start and um, and, and then the ending well well the ending has sort of two parts I suppose uh, the, the one part that doesn't work is when they all catch uh, George and have uh, bright lights all around him and then when he puts on sunglasses only he regains his yeah, power yeah. which is like well I don't know too much about vampire lore and rules but I, I call bullshit on that one because yeah. wouldn't he still be you know his skin is be exposed and they were sort of still doing the George swipe your hands and we'll fall over on cue and that, yes. that still looked dumb but I think the f- one or two minutes of George versus Norman Choi in the tunnel some of that stuff at least had a little bit of boom boom especially the very end which I, I guess we can but it's not enough it's barely enough and by by that time I didn't really care I just wanted it to end you know it wasn't if there was something there that was a highlight from from the action scene at, at the end of it, it it would have piqued my interest somewhat um, I was dying for anything to pique my interest, but there wasn't anything there. Again, it was just the same old, same old action sequence, and it didn't, it, it didn't highlight anything new again. Yeah. And you know, as for them, without giving any, anything away, it was that was that was the best bit. The boom, I went, yeah, over, or is it? <laughs> yeah, it's sequels, yay, boom, no more George Lamb. Might have given away a plot spoiler. Oh, whatever. But then. Something else happens, and I was literally like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to watch the end now, folks. It's literally like, oh, fuck. So it's like, yeah, oh, fuck. Literally in the course of a minute, I was like, no, 
thought I was out, but then they pulled yeah, me they, back they in. Yeah, they pulled me back in. <laughs> but uh, then again, there was no Stephen Shin uh, directed uh, Bite of Love 2 or whatever. You know, I, as much as I sort of dig some minor beats of the special effects, I think some of them are, they're not cranked well enough for my liking. You know, the very shots of Norman Choi, you know, probably on a dolly of some kind, you know, racing through the tunnel. We, we get like five or six, seven seconds of that. And after a while, it just looks like the actor standing in place while the tech crew are dollying, dollying him forward. And, <laughs> and normally Hong Kong movies are much more rapid and better cranked than that but uh, it, it it's sort of lacking in that regard as well even though Norman is uh, doing his very best uh, but, he's uh, doing his best but yeah like you say it's just it's just lacking you expect better at least from the action I, I was hoping I was hoping but uh, I didn't get it uh, so uh, so uh, a fur resounding lame for that one <laughs> no doubt <laughs> yep absolutely lame would a, would a London setting help throughout uh, the entire movie? Probably not. Not, uh, But uh, we, we got sync sound almost all throughout the entire movie, which uh, was nice and professional. Uh, wasn't needed for this type of movie. But, um, you know, there there it was. They did it. Uh, yes, so uh, uh, let's uh, bury that one forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> bury it. Never to be seen again. Do not speak its name. I bite of love. Do not speak its name, people. I don't mind owning the Laserdisc because it's just one of those things like this movie and Dolby Surround and Sync Sound. What were they thinking? Well, I'm happy to own that sort of novelty fact, yeah, exactly. if you will. Um, but, but as for availability, uh, the one who issued that Laserdisc was uh, Universe uh, with the Dolby Surround track. Um, but that audio, though, in Dolby was not carried over to uh, DVD. It was presented in mono. But it seems to be available here and there via the Joy Sales reissue of the film on DVD. So because the Dolby aspect isn't uh, key for the movie. It's uh, just a neat professional touch. But uh, So watching it in mono is, uh, is, is fine. And, and then some if you need to watch it, if you want to watch it. Uh, and, and you can and you should if you want to. Don't listen to our lack of recommendation. Yes, it's an hour and thirty-four minutes. You'll never get back. And yes, <laughs> I know how many how many minutes I spent watching it. Uh, I even watched it twice because uh, we originally were, was going to do this episode uh, in the fall, and then you had some tech problems, and I needed to sort of. Um, uh, familiarize myself with some visual cues uh, mainly because I didn't understand my notes necessarily so I, I watched it twice apologize no no no, uh, no, 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 no apologize no. now for making you watch that twice work is okay work is fun and okay Dan, yeah it is yeah it does stand the, the laser disc and pop it on it's always uh, always nice exactly I like big things Phil oh matron now see this is the carry on Hong Kong carry on Phil ah <laughs> There is a Hong Kong carry-on film, at least in title. Uh, well, there's, there's several, but uh, there's the uh, uh, Carry-on Hotel, Carry-on Pickpocket, of course. Uh, yeah. Carry-on Hotel has... Uh, let's talk of other movies instead. Uh, carry-on Hotel has one of my favorite <laughs> visual gags by Richard M in any movie. Okay. He wears a you know a coat or a trench coat in one scene, and he's a thief or someone who someone else wants to catch. And when that person grabs Richard M, like, I got you, he just slides out of that... A coat and he has another coat on anyway right so he's thought that through when someone catches me i'll just walk out of that coat and continue and with richard mm, there to sell that brilliant exactly and you can just say i can visit it now and i, and I laugh about it uh, and that's the thing you uh, a gag even if you tell it and you know the character and you can like visualize that gag that's great the unfortunately about a love doesn't have any of that laughability 
But uh, we'll have a little bit of uh, thinking as of what uh, to um, present to you next in these uh, defaming sessions. Um, because I'm not intensely familiar with every movie of his. I want to pick sort of suitably. Not look for recommendations and super bad movies necessarily. But I, I sort of want to um, see what feels right. The dual... Loca- uh, the shared locations aspect of these two movies that felt right uh, so uh, we'll uh, get to work but uh, in the meantime for all your podcast on fire network needs go to podcastonfire.com the relevant show links will be in the show post and uh, all the other links for the rest of our catalog of shows they're available in the menu to the right on the website via handy colorful buttons and that includes social media and whatnot so uh, have a little, uh, have a little visit. Uh, hope you like it. Hope you like this show. Hope you visit, uh, try other shows and what have you. But uh, we thank you for your support at any rate. But since you are the full firm co-host and co-producer of this, you get a full firm plug as well. So where can they find you? And what's your big endeavor of 2018 again? Yay! EastonFilmFans.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And um, the big event of the year is you. Yes, you, Eastern film fans. Me, Phil? What are you, Eastern film fans? What are your greatest Eastern films? 100 greatest Eastern films. I'd voted for by you. So tell me what your favorite films are. Because if you don't tell me, they won't be in the poll and you won't get your film recognized. So let me know. And um, we'll put all that information together and send it out to everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'm always torn between two movies, personally, because I like them a lot, both of them. But uh, on a, with a gun to my head, I'll probably put Bullet to the Head at the top because uh, it's my first and it's still that massively intense experience but uh, sh- shortly thereafter is an autumn's tale speaking of dmb oh. uh, it's uh neither of them uh, have weakened over time or anything so that's i think that's the key to a lot of this a lot of the films we pick are the ones that you can put on there they like say they won't weaken over time and they you know you love but hey there could be something that's just come out i don't know paradox something that's just hit the shelves or you've just seen you think that is the greatest thing i've ever seen just just tell us it doesn't have to be you know way back when doesn't have to be a shaw brothers or a bruce lee or a a jackie chan it could be something right smack bang up to date so yeah don't be ashamed of your opinions people i I hate uh, i don't hate i i I feel saddened when someone writes i know this might not be a liked opinion but i don't like so and so that much and that's okay if you don't like bruce lee exactly we don't like each and every Bruce Lee movie. A lot of people do like each and every Bruce Lee movie and so forth. So, so listeners, as you um, sort of uh, prepare to pre- and prepare your lists for this, don't worry about something being far down the list or not included at all because it's your opinion as long as you respect the opinions of uh, someone who puts something at number one that you put at number 100. So Exactly. And you never know. Your opinion might be an opinion of lots of people that you didn't know and it's in there and surprisingly it's at number whatever it is of 1 to 100 or surprisingly it's in the top 100. But like I say, if you don't vote for it, you can't be in it. So you got to be in it to win it. So uh, there's there we are, Phil. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, catch up uh, at the very least next time we do the defaming session number three. But uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for your effort, sir. And uh, we are signing off. So I've been Kenny B. With me was Phil G, the happiest podcaster in the world. Thank you very much, huh? 
and probably better Elvis personator than George Lamb probably. Is, probably. <laughs> oh, you George, you wasted my life watching you in that film. But hey, that's what it's all about. Mm.